Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. Today we have special guests from the Talking with Shadows podcast, Marcus and Vic. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. We're super excited to be here. I keep forgetting to introduce my co-host. Today I have CJ and Andrew making his debut appearance as a co-host on Infinite Rabbit Hole. How are you guys doing? Ladies first. Damn it, I was just about to say that. Fine. I have nicer boobs than you. I got better hair. You know what? Personally, I think I probably outclass both of you guys hair-wise. And probably boobs-wise, too. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> slap you, Marcus. <laughs> well, as everybody knows, I'm CJ, the Beardless Boy Wonder. And yes, I'm doing fantastic. Jeremy, thank you for asking, since you forgot to introduce us. And hello, everyone. My name is Andrew, part of uh, previous co-hosts with CJ. Uh, and welcome to this franchise. Thank you for having me. Marcus and Vic, you guys kind of have a tradition on your podcast where you guys do a little bit of drinking. So what's on the menu tonight, man? You can go first. I am drinking Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. And mm-hmm. I'm drinking a bottle of uh, French Lick Pretty in Pink. It's one of my favorite wines brewed right here in Indiana. Got a nice French woman. I, I thought that was a machine gun, but she's actually just holding the tail, I think, of the Pink Panther. It tastes like juicy juice with alcohol. <laughs> No, it really, it really does. <laughs> it, to to keep up with your traditions, we at Infinite Rabbit Hole are also drinking a beverage today, too. CJ, what are you drinking? Captain Morgan's private stock. Yum. Excellent. No, we approve a lot. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Actually, I'm there. Andrew, what are you drinking? Uh, it is uh, Deer Park water. <laughs> You're grounded. Wait, you cannot ground people for water choices because you dump four dollars a bottle on that damn Fiji water. I keep telling no. you, just go drink out of the tap. No, 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 no. I bought one Fiji water. He like, does this all the time. I bought one Fiji water ten years ago, and I just refill it with tap water every day. He doesn't. <laughs> He's lying. Fiji's delicious, though. I beg to differ. Anyways, I am drinking Bang Energy Drink Black Cherry Vanilla. You and Andrew are super bad at this whole idea of, like, following traditions thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there are certain reasons why I can't drink right now. But anyways. Yeah. And same. Samesies. Samesies. Anyways. We have Talking With Shadows on today because we're going to talk about a subject that I have absolutely no idea about. And I'm an idiot. I, I don't know about it. But I'm super interested. And I do have some questions lined up for you guys because... I had to do something, right? But they're going to go ahead and guide us through the world of shadow people. CJ is really big into the occult and also knows a lot about shadow people, has some personal experiences. Lots of personal experience. Lots of personal experiences. I see him all the time. He's going to kind of be our shepherd tonight through this on Infinite Rabbit Hole side. And Marcus and Vic are subject matter experts of their own. And... We're just going to have a great episode talking about some really weird shit. You guys ready? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cheers. We have not introduced the fan base of the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast to shadow people yet. Where is a good place to start? Like, give, give me the dummy's guide to shadow people. Probably the easiest place to start is just the general physical description. A shadow person is a free-moving shadow, sometimes standing on its own and sometimes cast against a backlit area, similar to how a normal shadow would appear. 
But the issue is there's no natural source for it. It's usually free-moving and seems to be at times self-guided. A shadow person encounter generally follows a few general themes. Uh, the first one being kind of the incidental encounter, where you just catch one momentarily just walking down the street, in your house, and it just seems to be moving, doing its own thing, or sometimes dodging back into deeper pockets of shadows where it disappears. Another common trend is the nighttime invader form, where you wake up and you suddenly see one in your room watching you sleep. This is most common with the shadow people who have red glowing eyes. Another common one, and this is one that we talk about a lot on our channel, is piggybacking ones. That's where shadow people appear in areas with other paranormal entities already existing. Like, so if a family believes that they're being haunted by a poltergeist, they'll also often be shadow people present that they're seeing. Um, or if a family believes that they're being uh, tormented by a demon, which I do personally believe demon encounters are reported much more, are much more often than they actually occur, but there will also often be shadow people appearing accompanying them. And that's kind of the, the basis. Yeah, that's like the nuts and bolts of a typical encounter with them. So just asking, because this is where my mind goes immediately, sleep paralysis. A lot of people that suffer from sleep paralysis episodes claim to see a, a shadow figure in the corner or at the very edge of their peripheral vision. Is that a being or is that a uh, something that's correlated with shadow people? Yeah, that's very commonly reported with shadow people encounters. A person will wake up experiencing sleep paralysis. They'll have that intense moment of panic when they realize that they can't move anything. And then out of the, either the corner of their eye or directly standing in front of them will typically be a shadow person uh, that'll be in the room. And then their fear is often reported to intensify like almost tenfold whenever they see one of these things. That happened to me. I've had one experience with sleep paralysis when I was younger in high school. and. I saw something at the corner of my eye right outside a window. And then the next thing I know, it's inside my house on my right side. Is that normal? Do they move around a lot? I have heard encounter I have heard encounters where they're taking on that nighttime invader form where they do jump around. I've also heard of ones where they are solidly still. Um, it's also, uh, it can occur with non-sleep paralysis as well, where they wake up at full mobility and see them watching them. Usually, then they'll disappear once uh, a light is turned on or you begin to move. There is always the possibility as well that they're going through another iteration of the Shadow People, which is the remnants of a creature called a djinn. And um, in which case, at that point, it, they would either move around or stand still, whatever they determined would scare you the most. Yeah, we've always felt that their, much of their main goal seems to be inducing that sort of emotion in us. Yeah, like, if you read people's accounts of it, like, the vast, vast majority of them all experience this intense fear whenever they actually, whenever they encounter a shadow person. It would definitely, it would definitely make sense, uh, being that, like I said, like, the, there's the, the thought that they could also be the remnants of a djinn, being that uh, the djinn feed off of negative feelings and uh, fear. Uh, as an emotion uh, to sustain themselves. So it would it would make sense in a lore type way. So is a djinn, is that like a, a known shadow person or are they completely separate uh, entities? Djinn are not shadow people. Most books on shadow people will also bring up djinn as a 
possibility. Although many of the authors are hesitant to say that there's one solid answer, but I think in most of the ones that we've read, it's at least brought up as a possibility. Can you think of any that didn't? No, usually Jenner, like a, a good go-to that people try to like claim that they are, at, also including, you'll hear, ghost, evil spirit. Shades from the um, Hellenistic tradition. Demons. I mean, a lot of times when people communicate about the paranormal, they... They use the vocabulary of the culture that they grew up in. So a lot of times, sometimes you could run into this difficulty when people are trying to communicate about the paranormal because they're going to be just using the language that they grew up. So it's like somebody growing up in a Christian, in a Christian faith, by the call like 99% of everything they encounter a demon. Although, you know, coming from, you know, other cultures and people call them other things. Going back to what uh, was said about the jinns who feed off of fear, is 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 that correct? Jinns feed feed off of like your emotion. They like intense negative emotion, and the easiest one for them to achieve is fear. Are they getting like a nourishment off of that? Like, what? Why is that the goal? Yeah, do you, do we know? That's how they sustain themselves. Okay. Now, is that is that what a shadow person is doing as well? Was say if they are the remnants of a jinn, like say like the ghost of the jinn or the residual energy of the jinn, uh, or the jinn themselves vibrating on a lower level to escape the jinn plane, uh, and then to be here and interact with us, um, it's possible that they're doing the same thing, but more than likely, um, probably not, because well, I'll get into it later. But I encounter shadow people quite a bit, and. None of them have really ever scared me quite like the Jin did. So, did you guys have anything to add, Marcus and Vic? Well, I'm, their modus operandi does seem to be, in an extent, similar. But I've always felt that often when we're discussing uh, the paranormal, kind of like what Marcus alluded to, it's often a lot of different people explaining things using different words and just finding ways to mesh those up can sometimes be a, a bit of a complication. But once you kind of start meshing stuff up, you generally start to find trends. But I also believe that more than just Jin or shadow people attempt to feed on emotion. Yeah, that seems to be a common thing with when you're dealing with the paranormal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you run. I mean, I've. I've... I've seen people just even have full-blown arguments on, you know, over Facebook and, like, in different paranormal groups when, like, the second somebody asks, what is this, you know, any question like that literally leads to, like, a flood of, like, a hundred different responses of people <laughs> generally giving the answer from their perspective. And that's what I always tell people. Right. And I said, I wouldn't so much worry so much about what somebody's calling it so much as what is it doing and maybe how do you want to get rid of it. Yeah. I'm a man that loves evidence. Is there is there a particular story of a shadow person that a lot of people would be familiar with that may not necessarily correlate it originally with a shadow person or didn't know that it was a shadow person uh a lot of people will have the red-eyed shadow person encounter where they're frozen in bed that seems to be one of the most common things when people are just doing their initial report saying hey i saw this what was this without them knowing at all what a shadow person is that's Probably the most common one I see just pop up. Um, as far as evidence, there have been a few shadow people caught on camera that are fairly convincing. Although, you know, you always have to be skeptical about anything caught on camera. Right. Days like digital age, like with photo manipulation and with the concept of shadow people, it can be really easy for a photograph to be faked. 
by, you know, overlaying a shadow in a particular photo. You got to be very careful when anybody's kind of showing one of those things. A photo, I would be much more likely to believe a video than a photo of one. I say there, there's the real, the real common shadow person. They have a documentary about it. It's a pretty common topic uh, of conversation within when you're discussing shadow people. That's the Hat Man. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, so let's hear about this. What is the Hat Man? So a Hat Man, a Hat Man encounter is a lot like a shadow person encounter, and they, the beginning of the member, are they're very similar. Either if you're experiencing sleep paralysis, you're not experiencing sleep paralysis. Except the shadow person tends to have like a wide brim hat. Hmm. Um, sometimes you can have red glowing eyes, sometimes yellow glowing eyes, sometimes not. Sometimes people describe them with like a trench coat or with like clothes. Often reports of the hat man are a whole lot more intense at a minimum uh, and violent, like to an extreme. Like, I've, Ooh, violence. I've read a lot of accounts of people encountering. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people encountering hat with with Hatman where he either charges them or they end up with scratches on their arms and things like that. Oh, I need to know more. The Hatman was actually in a popular culture. It's one of the Twilight Zone episodes, what they called Shadow People, where it's about a, a teenage boy who had a shadow person under his bed, uh, but it was actually more of a, a Hatman. Uh, connotation than in like a shadow person in one of the old ep- the old Twilight Zones. Yeah, nineteen eighty five. Th- those episodes. No, so the the really interesting thing about Hatman though is unlike most shadow people stories, where the the, the people they see uh, these individual shadow people, and it's like a unique like how they experience it is similar, but the shadow person itself is unique to the individual they see it. The descriptions of Hatman don't change very often, mostly just his attire. And then uh, what? how the encounter goes uh, seems to be really consistent within the stories as well. Everything from uh, where he's standing there and just staring at you to, like they said, charging you uh, and uh, giving you this intense uh, fear, like like violence uh, could be a very real thing in the future for you. Uh, and th- those stories, they don't, they don't change very much. They just vary in intensity. Um, and as you move up the scale, like if you go from like a zero violence to like a five violence, like those stories stay the same. It's it's really interesting uh, when you when you think about shadow people to think about Hatman in specific. And Hatman is often a repeat visitor. Some people will have a shadow person repeatedly come to visit them and almost take on a form of uh, grooming in the sort of way a, a serial abuser often will take on with their victim where they almost seem to be trying to train them to be both reliant on them, emotionally weak to them, and submissive to them at the same time. Mm -hmm. We've often talked about how um, the way a habitual abuser grooms someone is very similar to the sort of methodology that repeated shadow people encounters will often take on, usually like with Hatman or red-eyed shadow people. uh, They did a study that talked about how repeat... Uh, like uh, domestic abusers are able within a crowd to be able to identify anybody that's had a past trauma in their life, like the staggering uh, success. And, uh, you know, it's often very similar in shadow people and hat man encounter stories where people will report that they've had trauma in their life. They've had a lot of negative experience in their life or they, you know, they suffer a lot from substance abuse or things like that. Um, a lot of those seem to kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. If I remember right from that same study, um, 
the only thing they were able to observe was them interacting with their children and just watching them interact with their children with a surprisingly high accuracy. They could pick out who's been victimized in the past and figure out who's basically the most vulnerable part of the population that they would be capable of successfully victimizing in the future. Wow. That's nuts. What I'm taking away from this is that you're saying that shadow people are attracted to those that have a history of issues in their life. Oh, absolutely. Like to say like, um, like if we talk about like, uh, like meth user culture, uh, you know, we're from Indiana. So like we're the meth capital of the world and it's very common in meth user culture that when someone starts doing meth, that the veteran tweaker, uh, will explain to the person that's about to start meth that you will see the shadow people. Like, they will come to you. This will be a thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I've often said, I'm like, well, you know, if a old veteran tweaker missing a bunch of teeth tells you that you're going to see shadow people, does it deter you from meth? Uh, the D.A.R.E. program stands no chance. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, uh, Another member of one candle society adam mathers when he lived here in evansville he did a study on basically breaking down all the areas where shadow people have been reported and then comparing them with areas that have higher reports of physical violence and he found that it it lined up in most every account and we work in uh, in mental health and one of the things that's commonly reported by people that have acute mental illnesses is report of seeing shadow people, you know, and often people that have acute mental illnesses often have a history uh, of traumatic things that have happened to them in the past. So we pretty much taken this information, come to the conclusion, whatever they are, their modus operandi seems to be seeking out people who are most vulnerable to that form of intimidation. I was actually thinking because I was looking at it and they were saying like schizophrenia uh, patients, they'll see images or something like that. So it does make sense if they're targeting uh, people like that. But like, who's to say it's not their mental disease that they're having or the sexual uh, being itself? Like, like all things, the devil's usually lying somewhere in the details. What I would always do is look for outliers people with who that would be in a vulnerable position with a mental illness who also do not suffer from hallucinations because there are plenty of mental illnesses that will not cause you to see a shadow person more so than any standard person mm -hmm. so when examining a, a population that's what i would start looking for you'll often find that many people with acute mental illnesses will continue to talk about seeing shadow people even after they've become med compliant as well like, even in their, like, acute psychosis state, like, yeah, they'll report seeing them. But even though whenever they become, when they get back on medication, they'll continue reporting seeing them as well. What's really interesting, to, to harken back toward uh, your uh, talk about methamphetamine culture, uh, within the occult, uh, a lot of times to interact with certain spirits or divinity or whatever deity they're trying to speak with, um, things like that, uh, the use of specific, uh, wow. The use of specific substances is very common, where, like, uh, a lot of times they'll use mushrooms, um, LSD, uh, peyote, and then um, a DMT is, is fairly common. Um, so, because they use these substances, and it's believed that it uh, allows you to uh, interact with the spirit plane um, 
much easier sort of like a, a almost like a lubricant to transfer you between the two planes or at least to have that open line of communication and i'm just kind of wondering like you know if if meth would be like the one you use to to talk to the shadow people in that in that line of thought it's it's super interesting that something like that would possibly be on that spectrum well something that something that i've noticed and i've started watching since we started talking about shadow people is methamphetamine is, is, is in the same category as adderall it's essentially like street Speed. narcotic adderall <laughs> yeah uh and often people that are on on that don't often report as having as many shadow people encounters I think, at least when it comes to methamphetamine, when you watch how much that it will deteriorate someone more than, say, peyote or LSD or mushrooms. Like, I mean, it physically deteriorates you, deteriorates your mind. Right. I mean, if you look at the before and after ones. So I, I lean personally more towards, I think, that it since it... It may open you up, but I think it's because it puts you in a much more vulnerable state. Yeah, I'd say like certain psychotropics do put you in a conducive state to potentially communicate with a quote-unquote higher power or make you more conducive to a spiritual revelation. I would really doubt that meth is one of these. I really think it's more of a, it makes one vulnerable. Um, although I think there is some something to be said about some of these shamanic practices that involve this. And maybe as much as I don't generally like to give credit to Aleister Crawley, not his <laughs> biggest fan in the world, there might be there might be some aspects of truth to it. When it comes to the occult, I really am more of a focus on like medieval grimoire sort of guy. <laughs> but I do have to dip into some of the some of the more modern stuff yeah. here and there. And I do think that LSD, like you were talking, like does open you to encountering a lot of other entities, like as they refer to them as the others. Right. I'm just, my, my thought is like, if you're just, uh, you know, like if you're using like the LSD or ayahuasca or DMT or any of those things, you know, like, and that's, that opens the channel. Um, the thing is with magic and, and ritual and hermetics is the not, Everything is done in one specific way. So, like, if you wanted to talk to Casper the Friendly Ghost who's floating around your house, you could do it one way within the Golden Dawn tradition where you could then do it differently with uh, things that Aleister Crowley did or maybe things that, like, the um, the OTA is doing. Um, and uh, so I'm wondering, like, if meth is able to do that for you. It's not necessarily like the best way of getting that job done, obviously, but it's a method that allows it to happen by making you weak and basically turning you into like a bait, you know, like like a big magnet for them. I agree with that. I do have a question for you guys. Like, is this something that if you do not believe in, like, do I, if I'm a skeptic, because I am a skeptic at heart myself, is it something that even let's say I'm feeling the downest of my down I could be, right? And I am putting a lot of negative energy out into the world. Would this thing like still uh, target me in that sense? Or is it something like I would have to feed into, into it? I think it's more of a matter of likelihoods. And I've often found with personal experience, um, location comes up a lot as well. Uh, I've, 
I used to think that pretty much anyone could walk down their street, and if you walk long enough, you'll eventually spot one. But since I've moved to a nicer location of town, I like me and Ellie used to go. She's our occult researcher, and uh, my wife. And I like how occult researcher came before your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell her I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie's also very good with a knife, so I try not to cross her too much. <laughs> we understand Jeremy and I are scared of his wife, too. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I felt that in my up. soul. <laughs> I've apologized to his wife on several occasions, and I've never met her in real life. Like, <laughs> but We used to go on these nighttime walks all the time, and we would very commonly see them. But now that we've moved to kind of a nicer area in town, we kind of stopped doing our nighttime walks because we never get anything out of it. We never have any sort of sighting or anything like that. I believe some areas are fairly stable, almost like not ripe feeding grounds, and thus you're far less likely to run into them. I think if you went to a place that has a lot of negative emotion basically most likely a dangerous part of your town while in a negative state you would be in a higher likelihood of encountering them it's i'm i'm generally of the opinion if you're a skeptic it doesn't garner you any specific protection against these sort of things although one of the downsides of shadow people encounters it's very easy to write off seeing a shadow it's very easy to logic something like that away and it makes it hard to confirm. Like, often after I'd seen one, I'd go and examine an area and look for anything that could have created that shadow. And it's hard to disprove the existence of a shadow. Because shadows, by their very nature, are mercurial, they're malleable, they're easily created. And often you kind of have to put it into that area of, perhaps it was a encounter. Hmm. Just to fill in the listeners that may not know some of the vocabulary that they're using... Uh, modus operandi that is what's referred to as an mo in a lot of police or uh, detective shows they'll have a suspect and they'll say what is their mo or their mo is that they like to cut people's heads off and throw it in freezers that's how we know it's the same person an mo is a modus operandi so when they talk about this shadow person or hat man and they're talking about their mo their modus operandi they're talking about their mo just to kind of make that connection for the the fans listening that may not have that uh in their vocabulary um another thing i also want to put out there is that we here on infinite rabbit hole do not do not we do not back the idea of going to take meth to go see shadow people. If you oh, want yeah, to, yeah, do not, don't do that. <laughs> if you want to sh- see shadow people, I'm sure there's other ways that we might get into later. I don't know. I can't tell the future. But one of the things is don't go get drugged up. Um, that is not a reason to go start taking meth. And then after that, I have a question for you guys. Uh, again, for the the listeners that may not be too familiar, and actually, I don't know who is this Alistair Crowley guy. What? Oh goodness! Uh, I wish I could just call Ellie in to give a real legit <laughs> history of Crowley because <laughs> we're gonna have five episodes of conversation. I don't have time for this. 
the history of Aleister Crowley is so long and in-depth. Like, this is really going to be like five hours of education. I don't know who it is, and I know the listeners aren't going to know who they are. Not everybody's going to know. So I, I just want to fill the gaps. You know, I want people to be educated when they when they listen to the show. All right, listeners. Uh, originally, we wanted to talk about Shadow People. The episode just became about Aleister Crowley. You're taking a hard turn. Uh. <laughs> Aleister Crowley had an absolutely enormous influence on the occultic community. Um, he joined many different sects. I think he was part of the Golden Dawn at one point, and then he actually formed his own, which is the Ordo... Oh, is it the OTO? Ordo Impley Orientis, I believe. Yeah, the OTO. The oh. o- yeah. Um, and that was his own following. He created his own magical path and, and, and thing for initiation and had so much influence over the magical community and the occult in itself that there's hardly any sects of the occult that don't employ something that he either came up with or taught somebody. He was also super known for uh, having morally objectionable uh, practices uh, involving sex and violence throughout his ritual work and whatnot. Uh, And many people have accused him on several occasions of causing lifelong traumas that they can't get past. A way to, under, to uh, understand his practice is rising yourself to the greatest degree of emotional, I'm going to use the word turmoil, people might argue that word, but basically by being under drugs that elevate your energy and then also reaching climax at the same time, he believed that at that point is the best time to do some magic. Also, to be fair though, like he is like this huge important person in the magical community that like everybody like pulls their influence from. And he chose to be buried in the magical land of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing, the thing, the thing that attracted Aleister Crowley to sex magic so much is that the idea behind sex magic is during orgasm, like either the male ejaculation or female, uh, there's a brief moment where the ego completely separates from the consciousness, uh, which is when 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 you're studying in the path of hermetics. Um, or anything like that the object is to achieve understanding of divinity and then move into the next plane at at how you're supposed to um through transcending and and the separation of the ego and a lot of people believe in ego death which is the complete dissemination of the ego which that would rid you of who you are so i don't i don't i don't personally believe that ego death is a, is achievable but the idea is to separate yourself from the the state of being um so that like you can realize things and, and interpret things uh, and then cause things to happen and manipulate energies through that moment. And then that's why Aleister Crowley really believed as much as he did within the sex magic and, and the uh, orgasm to achieve magical practice. For a guy who, like said like you get rid of the ego, like he he really was kind of like walking around in public ego mode. Oh yeah, he was the, he was extremely egotistical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was having so much sex and to get rid of that ego but it wasn't working so his plan was just to have more sex like so i'm just gonna say i i did google him and he had three kids supposedly per google and one of the kids he named he gave seven names holy shit that's too many names it's <laughs> nult ma uh aha thor uh hecate sapo uh beazabel lilith crawley so he just named them after seven deities. All right. L- long story short, he's the godfather of occultism. Is that about right? Not. I wouldn't say the father of magical practice, but maybe the maybe uh, one of the ancestors of modern Western esotericism. 
So he's a major influencer. Yes. I, I would say people like Agrippa had a much greater, although Agrippa's name's not well remembered, I would say Agrippa had a a bigger effect on modern occultism. That's fair. He's definitely an ancestor to it. Like he had, he was involved in so many things. He had his hands in everyone's pockets. Like we're gonna we're gonna cut off that hole in the infinite rabbit hole. We're gonna get back on track with uh, shadow people. I <laughs> I apologize, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I, I apologize. I didn't know what I was stepping into, guys. Um, I had a five minute rant about why we should not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> you were warned, sir. Oh, yeah, you can't get into the occult without it being a whole can of worms. Maybe we'll have the, the cast from Talking with Shadows back on and we'll talk about the occultism and Aleister Crowley. We definitely need to get Ellie on for that. What happened to my voice? That's her cursing <laughs> you for bringing up the idea. <laughs> Just use some sex magic later. No, Blaine saved me. Oh, don't worry. At least, oh no, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say anything because if she's cursing me for what I've already said, she'll definitely curse me for that. <laughs> so, uh, CJ, I know that you have had experiences, personal experiences with shadow people. Oh, all the time, all the time. Like to this day, I had two of them today. Jeez, really? Yeah, dude, I see them all the time, bro. All okay. the time all right, for we'll, like years. We'll, we'll get there. But Marcus and Vic, you guys are the highlight of this episode. Or have you guys had any experiences with these shadow people yourselves? Oh yeah, uh, I'll do mine. I'll do mine first. So I had actually an experience, a very intense experience with a shadow animal uh, a couple of years ago. So we were doing research into skinwalkers, which are like south, you know, southwest Native American, you know, witches, shapeshifters, all the way up through Utah and, too. Oh yeah, and. So I, I, I ordered this book uh, that these Sasquatch researchers had written on, on the subject. And they were talking about how they went to uh, the re- a reservation down there to talk with an, uh, an informant that they were going to get about skinwalkers. And while they were talking with the gentleman, he said that I would only meet with you during the day. We have to do it in public. That's my... That's fine. That's one. That's what. That's the only thing that we can do. That's the only way that I'll do it. Hmm. And so while they're having a conversation with him, uh, he's talking to them about skinwalkers. But then, like three times throughout the conversation, he pivots and starts talking about sports, the weather, food, uh, until they finally ask him like, "What's up?" And he says, "Oh, there." And he points over, and there's like a squirrel, like on a tree line, that's kind of like deformed, and it's staring at him. And he's like, "Look, you have to understand. They use the birds and the beasts." And they know when you're talking about them. They have the ability to know when you're talking about them, and they'll use animals to spy on you. Damn. So I'm texting, and I'm, and I'm talking about, like, what I'm, what I'm reading as I'm doing this at night. I'm in my backyard. My dog's on the leash next to me, and I'm sitting there reading this book. My back porch light shines this bright, uh, like, I'd say, like, three-foot circle in my backyard. And I'm maybe five feet from it. All of a sudden, my dog intensely looks at this circle, and I look up at the circle, and out walks this shadow dog or raccoon, and it walks into the middle of the light. And I mean, I'm only like five feet from it. I I fully can see this thing. It is fully standing there inside the circle of light, no shadow extending to the outside part, this full manifested opaque shadow, and it's locking eyes with my dog that's a beagle, and I do this for like 10 minutes. Jeez. My beagle does not make any sound. 
and then the thing just walks back into the shadows. I then promptly close the book and I go inside and I only read this book at, uh, during the day. And then you called me freaking out. I, I did. And which you didn't even seem that concerned okay, you, by, by the way. He was freaking out and did not explain to me very well what was going on. He was talking fast. And I thought he was just saying a squirrel looked at him. <laughs> it, it wasn't until the next day where he calmed down and was able to clearly explain to me what happened. Did I realize what was going on? But, uh, yeah, he, he was he was pretty shook, shook up about it at the time. Um, personally, I, if you, I believe you if you say that you're going through a period where you see them very regularly. I've been in that sort of period before. I, like I said, when I've lived in some of the worst places here in Evansville, it wasn't that uncommon for me to see them very regularly. But there is one sighting that really sticks out to me because it makes me come back questioning the situation a lot. And I was on my front porch and I'm talking with, I'm standing and talking with Ellie and another friend of mine. And we're basically forming a triangle with me looking out towards the road and the two of them standing across from me, looking back at me. A car driving is uh, driving by and their headlights are on. I see a shadow person sprinting through the headlights almost like it's trying to run headlong into the car. It only have lasted for a few seconds, but that encounter has always really stuck with me on what was going on there. What was it trying to accomplish? Was it even aware of the car or aware of what it was doing? And that's one I, I often find myself thinking on. Jeez. Yeah. Cause it's weird. It's like, it was, it looked like it was in like that, perfect running man form just sprinting headlong into it and i it makes me wonder was it trying to harm itself or is it in a situation where it's not even aware of the car this is the one that raises the big questions for me as far as most of my sightings just because there's so much to unpack from a couple seconds of viewing it hey everybody bear with us while we take this quick break Hello! My name is Tasman Cooey, and I'm the Game Master for Tangent Tabletop, an actual play D&D podcast. In this show, we're telling a story that puts our characters in a constant moral dilemma where they have to ask themselves the question, am I doing what's right? The world of Igalos is very divided, with many sides to a seemingly impending war where the fate of the world is at risk. We tell this story through roleplay, music, and sound effects that will drag you into the world and make you ask yourselves the same question every step of the way. Please join me in the world of Iglos by listening to Tangent Tabletop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Is this like one of those things that now that I'm talking about it with somebody and I'm aware of it, am I going to start having these these uh episodes because i, I kind of don't want that well 
the the researcher John Keel always said, like, you know, when you start poking at the paranormal, it will start poking back. <laughs> you know, I was uh, a huge skeptic. I mean, honestly, when we first started. Oh, yeah. You had when we first started working together in the paranormal, you had never had a paranormal experience and you generally didn't believe very strongly in it. Yeah. My, my opinion has now shifted quite a lot. I mean, I'm still pretty skeptical, but yeah. I think the more I think the more that you poke at the paranormal, the more likely you are to have a paranormal experience. It's like you can sit there and you can think to yourself, uh, no, I don't actually want to see this, but if you're putting out the energy of genuine curiosity, they'll come visit you. Like <sighs> subconsciously or like deep down, you're like, I would really like to see one. Um, you will. You will. You can you can lie to yourself and say you don't want to, but it genuinely, if you're if you're subconsciously putting out that energy that you do in fact want to see one, like if you call to spirits, they will come. Like may not be today or tomorrow, but they will come if you call enough. And whether you're intentionally doing it or not, it's a completely different thing. Man, I ugh, I am a very curious person. That sucks. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> do you guys have any other experiences? I've had quite a few yeah. with shadow people. I mean, I mean, honestly, when it comes to like after ghosts, shadow people are actually more of a commonly reported paranormal phenomenon than people would probably believe. Yeah, ninety percent of cases I'd say that we take on um, usually will involve shadow people in some element. It's rare, like if we're investigating something for someone and it goes into that area of like ghosts or supposed demonic activity or there's a dark presence usually shadow people will pop up in one way shape or form in the interviewing process jeez all right cj i know that you have experiences i am dying to hear them dude what's up they're not exciting as those guys at all (laughs) (laughs) usually usually when i see them like so i've been involved with with the occults and for 17 years now and Normally, normally when I do see them, they're either just they're kind of like chilling, you know, or sitting or they're not even looking at me most of the time. And I think that's generally because I'm not afraid of them. Um, when when you start uh, invoking spirits and and conjuring spirits and, and, and doing things like speaking and having conversations with deities, there are things that come with it. And when you start interacting with that spirit world, minor things like shadow people don't bother you anymore. If you're not afraid of them, you can just kind of see them. You know, they're not going to try to feed off you or whatever. But uh, these days, I don't, I don't, I don't see them in my house ever. My house is protected um, against negative things like that ever since the incident with the gin. And, um, but outside, I see them all the time. The only time I've ever seen one uh, in my house, uh, no, I'm sorry. There's two incidences um, where we seen them in the house. One, I was in the kitchen, and I heard toddler's footsteps come into the kitchen. I thought it was my son. I looked up, and there was this, like, two-foot-tall jet black being right there. And then it just ran away, and I heard it run, and then it stopped. Um, That was probably the most one of the most intense ones. Uh, and then uh, I was in the backyard gardening uh, with my mom and stepmom. And my stepmom was like, hey, who's in your house? And I was like, no one, the, because the baby was inside taking a nap. I'm like, nobody. And she points up to my third story window, and there, what looks like a kid was standing in the window, uh, or maybe like a young adult. And uh, we kind of freaked out, uh, ran inside, 
broke out the firearms, started sweeping rooms, thinking that somebody was in the house where my son was napping. And the only thing we have right now is, and they're actually still there. I left them there to this day, is two handprints on my windows. Um, but the thumbs are on the wrong sides of the hands, like they crossed their arms before touching the window. Um, but uh, that, that those are probably the two most intense uh, things that I've dealt with with shadow people. But when it came to shadow people in itself, like uh, they've never tried to harm me. I've never felt like there was an imminent danger nearby or anything like that. I, a lot of these stories we hear on like the YouTube videos or documentaries or whatnot of people with this intense fear situation. Uh, and they're like attacking them and charging them. I've never experienced that with them myself, uh, but I do see them regularly. Ah, man, I really hope I don't start seeing these things, guys. Well, I mean, with any kind of like paranormal entity that you're going to run into, the the question that always is the following shortly thereafter is like, how do you get rid of them? And I mean, typically, I've seen even everything from like using like even a positive coping skill being able to get rid of these i was reading like a, an internet forum where a person was talking about play music play music playing music shadow people hate that and actually i would even say using positive coping skills is more effective than more traditional occultic methods like using sage like engaging in positive coping skills is about the the best way to really make sure they go away and don't come back. Yeah, like, the more that I listen to CJ talking about how, like, you know, I'm not particularly afraid of these things, you know, I see them, but they don't particularly bother me. I mean, it, it follows that same, like, language that a lot of people use whenever they're describing shadow people that don't seem to have these negative encounters. Like, they'll just be like, yeah, I see them, they're there. But they don't really particularly bother me. I'm not, I'm not worried about them. I mean, I've seen some real scary stuff um, dabbling, dabbling with with spirits I, I i had a gin in my house for a little while and that went from benign to horrifying andrew experienced the gin in my house once he was standing in my living room and all my kids toys started turning on while he was in there and every single electronic in the living room started going off and he was like i'm out and he, and he ran out of my house i didn't run out of your house listen it was two things that went off and i know it happens with batteries like when batteries get low I'm not saying that it wasn't because you already told me you did your cleansing ritual or whatever, right? That was pre-cleansing ritual. Then F. F for the chat. I <laughs> thought you already did it. No. So I've been telling myself that you already did it. I'm just I, like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how to I don't know how to close portals. I don't know how to close portals. I had to get professional help for that. It wasn't done yet. Look, it, it was it was closed portal batteries. That's what it was. That's why you were like, and I'm out, and like left my front door. You didn't even shut the front door, dude. I shut it. You left. That might have happened. Don't don't play it up too much, though. That's. <laughs> I grew up in a, a very religious home, and uh, I don't feed into a lot of this stuff, but I don't deny it either. Uh, I have a traditional cross on my front door or by my front door. Uh, among other things that are very like don't mess with my house type deals so like i've always been a skeptic just for the sole power of like i don't want to i never want to feed into things i have we we've said i've said numerous times across like our channel and our podcast that i have a strong feeling that belief and conviction plays a huge part in getting rid of entities 
I think oftentimes more than what people tend to realize. Like if you look at the common practice, say that like, you know, a lay person would understand like an exorcism. Okay. An exorcism, uh, you will see a Catholic priest, a, you know, African shaman, uh, and a Shinto priest from the, you know, uh, from Japan will all perform exorcism and will all use different tools and they will use different methods about going about it and they all can claim success. At the end of the day, the only thing that these all that these guys all had in common was their belief of what they were going to do was going to work. Like more often than not, how many times have you know, like we listen to just like at a church, people like not reporting instances of shadow people. Mm-hmm. There is a huge mm-hmm. belief that if people pray there, that they will be protected. They're not doing any sort of magic, you know, they're not doing anything other than their general conviction and belief. To keep that place safe and it tends to be a lot more individualistic at people's homes or just out and about when they're by themselves we could we could have an entire episode on how the christian church ceremony is a giant magical ritual oh yeah um, absolutely especially but, the uh, <laughs> yeah love but but uh, I mean, in regards to what you're saying there, I mean, it, it really makes sense when you think about it in a magical sense, where when you're performing a ritual, a rite, a spell, uh, a consecration, or an enchantment, anything like that, the idea is that an energy gets focused in a specific way with a particular mindset. So when you have the Shinto priest, the Catholic priest, uh, the, the, the Scientology priest at this point, and their goal is to um, exercise a, a spirit, a negative energy, and they're performing their ritual. They might be doing the a different dance, but their mindset is exactly the same. So they focus that energy, they perform that ritual, and allows them to hone that into their target. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense in regards to that. Oh, yeah. Like when anybody asks me at the end of the day, how do you get rid of a shadow person? My response is always the same. Do whatever you think will work. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's all about that energy concentration, for sure. And kind of leading into this, it often works in areas where traditionally you might not even expect it. It's not something that's communicated a lot by researchers, but there's a staggering high number of abduction cases where someone is having, in the early elements of an abduction case where they're seeing the grays or seeing some sort of ex- what's generally believed to be an extraterrestrial entity in their room and then they begin to pray or recite a charm or something along those lines and it worked which raises a lot of questions that i've been tr- trying to puzzle out myself but i have to say there's something about conviction that seems to wield power because traditionally sure. you would not generally associate this something that would really work with our understanding of the abduction phenomena. And I've seen the same thing when it comes to men and black phenomena. Yeah, yeah. Too, oddly people, enough, too. <laughs> people will start using like like traditional prayers and they're like, deuces, I'm out. Pray pray the men in black away. Pray the, yeah, pray <laughs> the men in black away. <laughs> it's but the thing is, there's enough accounts that you ha- really have to take this possibility seriously. Jeez. Like, I, now, when it comes to Bigfoot, I recommend a shotgun. I would not try to try to pray Bigfoot away. I would love to see an encounter where someone tries. I would not. I'd go back for them. Well, I don't think the, you should use gun or fire. The weird thing is this. Like, if it works on, like, people who are encountering ghosts, demonic entities, shadow people, extraterrestrials in big quotation marks, 
I would really, I would really wonder if it would work in this situation. It seems to work on most other things that fall into the strange and unusual. <laughs> but that I've never, I've never heard of an account of someone trying it and it working. I, I definitely wouldn't recommend this to someone. I want to see the but vol- I'm still curious. I want to see the volunteer that would do that for a Sasquatch. Like we want you when you see the set with this 12 foot creature that can rip trees out of the ground. We want you to pray him away and see if it works. I'm not going to be the <laughs> one to try it. I'll tell you that. Tuesday morning when I go into work, I'm going to try it on my boss, and I'm going to see if it works or not. <laughs> Satan! Me and Andrew used to work together, and I, on several occasions, I was uttering incantations under my breath, and one day I forgot to mute my microphone during a muting. Oh, it was real. That was fun to explain. Nah, it was, I was They were just like, what? And I was like, oh, I'm having technical difficulties. Well, and I would like unplug my microphone because it would make this like sound in the in the thing when you would do it. And I'd be like, can you understand me now? And they were like, yeah, 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 we can hear you. <laughs> it's like, oh god, we must have picked up some like ham radio waves or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they thought I was the biggest weirdo. They probably do. They probably still think I'm the biggest weirdo. It's all good. So now that you guys have effectively scared the shit out of me, how would you? And do you recommend not doing it? If you were interested in seeing shadow people, how would you begin the process? If if I was interested in trying to see a shadow person, I definitely would not attempt to conjure one. I think a much more healthier way, and although this is still a dangerous route, would be go to a more crime-ridden area of your town and then walk around for a few nights attempting to observe anything unusual. Although that's not a great idea either. You could go to a place that houses an asylum if you have like a, one of the... I mean, we work in a mental health facility and we've rarely had accounts of it within the facility though. Um, but I mean, you know, it would it, be a possibility. Like, you know, a lot of people will always point to Waverly Hills as a place that people will often see shadow people as compared to, like, the mental health hospitals that we worked at. But again, the mental, the, like, the history of mental health is very much a traumatic one. And I think that that's more of a reason about why you would probably see them in some of those older mental health facilities. Oh, yeah, you probably wouldn't right. have much more exactly. rather than a newer, like, one that I, like, I work at now. Yeah, like, any, anywhere where there's been any form of deep misery. You would have, you would be able to see them without an issue. I I would recommend, like, I mean, if you investigate the paranormal enough and you go out on many to the many of these places, I think you just will by happenstance just encounter them. Like, I think that that's we've seen them piggyback off so many paranormal entities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, whenever we've been looking at many stories, and that's probably the best advice right there. If you want to do it, become a paranormal investigator. You'll you'll eventually run into one. Yeah, it'll probably just happen by circumstance. Well, yeah, yeah. typically when when you have something like a haunting, you know that spirit's there because of you know too early on left undone business or something traumatic that left an imprint when when they when they moved on to wherever they were going next. So. It makes sense that a shadow person would be there. But I, I wouldn't recommend ever trying to, like, specifically conjure one. I feel no. like you're likely to get a lasting problem. <laughs> yeah, especially especially if, like, you've never done any sort of invocation before and you don't have anybody with you who's never been involved in that sort of uh, practice or community or anything like that because you really can invite some crazy stuff into your life that you really weren't prepared for. You could be like, hey, 
I want to talk to the spirit of my grandma and Adrenus, the 64th of Solomon's state uh, demons shows up and he's like, well, you want a grandma, but now I'm here because you don't know what you're doing. Thanks for the doorway. And and things like that can happen. I'm not a practitioner of the occult, but I have a freestanding appointment on my porch at 10 p.m. every night before I go to bed to tell every entity to piss off, fuck off, and you're not allowed in my home. Like I don't necessarily believe it was good. like I don't necessarily believe it was gonna work, but like like I'm just doing it just in case. What's crazy is like even if you were standing out there and doing that, like and you're putting that energy out there, you were sort of in a way casting a spell, performing a ritual, especially if you're doing that every night uh, with that sort of just intention. Everybody, Marcus D, the occultist, practicing every night from his front porch. Okay, first of all, if that's the only thing that works, I think other practitioners are trying way too hard then. <laughs> <laughs> there's so there's like it, it, it's crazy because when it comes to the ritual and uh the invocation or, or or magical practice in itself there's always the way that works and then there's varying degrees up to the best way it can be done and all of them work with varying degrees of success so like, basically what he's saying is uh there's people out there that paint with like really fine art stuff and then they look at you and you got like watercolors and you're just smashing your face in it right and it's effective because we know what it is it's just not what it could be i want to see you do this art project now no, I'm, gonna st- <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly god gonna stick with standing screaming into the void before i go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> I think your neighbors love that i don't care if they love it or they don't my house is protected <laughs> Well, speaking of speaking of protection, if you wanted to protect, like a, a shadow person in itself is is typically perceived to be like a lesser spirit, like not really that high of a threat. Like they're they're horrifying sometimes to the people that aren't expecting to experience them, or or you know even less so for people who have interaction with those spirits and knows what to expect and and understands the situation. You could do something simple with something like that, and just like you know, put a, a, a mineral called selenite. Uh, in each corner of each floor of your home and it creates a sort of grid of protection that keeps things like that away and then is extremely uncomfortable to negative energies that are more powerful than that uh even down to like like say your in-laws are super evil and you know they're evil you can put selenite in your ceilings and they may not want to come to your house anymore what hang on how do you spell selenite S E L E N I T E. Okay, that write that down. Okay, Amazon. Yo, it's cheap. You get a big old rock of it off Amazon for like twenty bucks, and you can do like four floors of a house with that bad boy. I've also found a locked door is also a very good wording spell to keep them out. Margaret can be a hard sell when it comes to. In the most basic of occultic practices, <laughs> like you're getting recommended all these things, I'm like, you know, it's a it's a simple magic, but it works. <laughs> yeah, they might not even, but they might not even knock on your door if you have the selenite. They may not even want to get out of their car. They might not even want. My in laws haven't come within a hundred yards of my house since we had the place blessed and put selenite in the ceilings. Demons, shadow demons. They are. They are a little off topic, but I just swapped over to coca-cola energy drink with coffee caramel flavored and it sucks mm, i just swapped to my fifth shot oh i am almost through my bottle of wine i'm kind of getting you down to the dregs no 
Nice. What book are you on, Marcus? I'm on beer number two. I'm on uh, City Tap Water. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody likes this shit, but I don't. I wouldn't trust them if they did. So, Shadow People, you guys said a little bit earlier that they do that. They they've been known to leave scratches on people. Has anybody ever died, or has anybody had like a severe injury due to a shadow person? Not that I've ever come across in my research, and even the scratches are extremely aesthetic. Yeah, they're really superficial. Yeah, sorry, su- superficial. I've often seen them as an omen to death. That a lot of people report that they are. They'll often appear around people right before they die. Um, but no, I you know although oh we did come across an interesting story involving a person who used a tulpa. You guys did an episode on tulpas not too oh, long ago, didn't you? May I? Okay, because I really remember Wait, this story. I got that right, right? You guys did tulpas as an episode before, right? Jeremy oh, knows my. about my love of tulpas. I talk about them every chance I get. Oh, I think they're the greatest existential threat to humanity that's on the planet right now, but that's just me. But 100%, bro. Finally, someone who's on the same page as me. I'm going to send you a friend request on Facebook. Hey, go check out your tulpa episode. It's very anti-tulpa. I lost my fucking mind when I investigated those things. I told you you would. I told you so. Have you looked into Tulpamancy at no, all? No, 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 no. We did a dude, dude. Check out our episode. We did a deep dive analyzing them and their whole practice of that. If you've never seen, been to the Reddit, those motherfuckers have a census where they're collecting information on each other to grow awareness. It is scary. That's wild. But yeah, there is a story that we were able to dredge up when we were doing the research for it involving a Tulpa encountering shadow people, and. What was going on is this young lady who had previously created a tulpa was bringing it with her to basically this home that supposedly had uh, hauntings and shadow people in it as a form of protection. Things started to get a little dicey. She left, but her tulpa never came out with her. Um, She then uh, started getting dreams of her tulpa totally just ripped up, almost in a destroyed sort of form, coming to her in her dreams being like, why did you bring me here? Look at how I suffer. Look at what you caused me to become. And basically destroying the Tulpa because these things just apparently just start ripping it to pieces. That's crazy. I've never, I've never ever, aside from superficial scratch marks, I've never heard of any outward violence from shadow people or even though they have the capability of any sort of outward violence i see them all the time and i'm never intimidated by their presence and i never feel like i know i know that they would like me like you get that feeling like they would like me to be upset about their presence but i know for a fact that if i as long as i'm not afraid of them i have nothing to worry about because they can't do anything i'm with you there i've never had a negative shadow person encounter for the most part it's been huh neat i'm going to go take a closer look i've never had one try to touch me, harm me, or anything like that. But apparently a tulpa, they can really screw up a tulpa if they want to. Jeez. Do not count on your tulpa as a way of protecting yourself. I guess I guess because they they all exist on the fourth and fifth plane where we exist on the first and second. Well, I think part of it is because tulpa mancy, if you look at how they present it, is done so poorly. The only thing that they can do is, co- is like, create something that's, like, that's weak and not and not very tangible like at least at first 
like so just just to make sure we're on the same page we're talking about when the individual creates a being within their own mind that they then allow to take something they call fronting and oh, it's yeah. sort of like multiple personality disorder we're talking about the same thing right oh yeah okay, oh yeah okay. just wanted to make sure oh no if you compare like like ancient tulpamancy as to compare how they present it now with oh, you're talking about like, like Tibet, Tibetan tulpamancy to the modern day Western oh, yeah. esoteric yeah, tulpamancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's presented now as a very like weaker version. Intention, like I I I I argue in our video intentionally. Like mm -hmm. there is no way that this is not done intentionally for a specific reason. Okay, just to cut to the chase here, Marcus is strongly of the opinion that this ancient practice has been basically co-opted by the tulpas to create more of them to gain to give them more power as a community. Yeah, yeah. He's not wrong. Oh no, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, no, I'm not hundred percent with him. I think we make a good case for the evils of Tulpamancy yeah, yeah. and why we should be afraid of Tulpas. He's so on to something when it comes to something like that because like in Tibetan culture, there would sometimes be over a hundred people focused on the same idea in the creation of a Tulpa, where in the Western esoteric Tulpamancy, you have a single individual creating this uh, sentient personality, but it can only res uh, exist within their own being. Yeah, they, um, they're more often creating what we in the West would refer to as an egregore, where multiple people come together to create the uh, singular thought form. Mm -hmm. And supposedly, I'm not a total master myself, but supposedly this can make it notably stronger. Right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And they, they really uh, accent that on the show Supernatural. It was one of the few times that they covered um, a paranormal being to, like, almost to exactly how it would occur in the event that it exists. Yeah, that show did his research, like, a lot more than other, like, that, like, they out-researched, like, Buffy and, like, Angel back in the oh, day. Oh, 100%. Like, they definitely took a lot of creative license with things, but yeah, no, you're, you're 100% on correct. I didn't see it. What? Oh, and I was, you've seen Supernatural, which I don't seen. think I've seen that episode, though. Oh, okay. I feel bad now, because I'm actually not a conversation on this one. <laughs> it was definitely an early season, uh, episode, because, like, the general plot of, like, Angels and demons didn't really happen yet. How, how did we get on tulpas? Were, were we entertaining the idea that shadow people might be tulpas? Yeah, like a tulpa, like getting like ripped apart by a shadow person. Just pull oh, okay. Focus whenever we start to stray. I guess isn't that the point of the show? It's a rabbit hole. You just fall in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you just fall in, and it keeps on going. For a moment, I thought we were on cryptid technical again. Eventually, we'll get to Hitler because that always works. <laughs> no, well, eventually, if you dig down in the rabbit hole, eventually you start seeing how everything is connected anyway. Although, if anyone's going to be researching Tulpas, I'm going to give you the same warning I gave Marcus before he started looking into it. It will, it can take you to some dark places within your own mind and make you very concerned about your own thoughts. It's one of those things where researching it can really cause you to miss some nights of sleep. So be, yeah. be wary when you dig into this subject matter. Especially if you're not into the occult and you're confusing evocation with the concept of the tulpa, and that can be that can definitely go right right along with what you're saying. Oh yeah. But it but it plays a lot into like the conversation that we were talking about, like with shadow people, is they go hand in hand with so many other paranormal entities so often. Um often more than other entities. Like it's 
Like it's weird. It's like almost their thing. It's like they're the groupie of other paranormal entities so many times. You guys just went nuts. I'm not lying. Like it just it will take you to some dark places. That's awesome. Like people think shadow people are bad. No, tulpas are way worse. Do we have any more? What else we got, guys? Are uh, we can talk about? I mean, we kind of touched on how to get rid of them, but you can really talk about how to keep them away. Like if you don't want to see them. And I'll, I'll lead off with that, uh, where because we kind of talked about the whole idea of drug culture and methamphetamine culture and things like that. But if you want to keep a shadow person away from you, you can uh, do your best to eliminate putting out as much negative energy as possible. And if you want to talk about drug use, uh, you can macrodose psilocybin, which is supposed to put depression to rest for six to 12 months per macrodose supposedly anyway they're doing clinical trials or whatever but uh you can do things like active meditation and whatnot to keep those negative energies away from you and and various uh ritual ceremonies throughout your home uh to clear that negative energy and that would that should effectively ward uh shadow people away from you i don't know if you guys have anything to add to that oh yeah most uh most traditional wardings in my experience work to varying degrees but definitely the most effective thing I've ever seen happen is utilizing positive coping skills being the one that lasts the longest and is the most effective. If you make yourself in a better place, you will often find yourself not encountering the other people. And the only reason I mentioned that thing before, I know that's like a uh, topic, but like uh, the Nazis used a lot of occult. Is this something that uh, was ever used to weaponize in that sense? Or... Ooh, good question. I've not come across anything except for I I vaguely remember with the testing of Diglaka, people reporting seeing shadow people. I want to say there's something about that in there, but I think that's the only reference I can recall. And I only halfway am certain that that was part of it involving Nazis and shadow people. In my personal research, what I've been trying to do recently is I've been trying to find stories where people have actually tried to communicate with shadow people, and I've actually found that uh, not a whole lot of... I haven't found actually any story yet where a person has actually exchanged a dialogue with an actual shadow person. It's always this understanding of emotion between the two. Like, the person always describes, I know exactly how this thing is feeling, when it's around me, like what it's either attention or what it's feeling like towards me. That's what their language always seems to be like whenever they're telling me their story. Oh, actually, I wish you would have mentioned to me that that's something that you've been digging into mm-hmm. because back before you joined the society, back when it was mainly me and Adam Mathers going out and doing um, like in-person investigations and stuff, we've had a few accounts of people directly communicating with shadow people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the really weird case where the girl believed that, okay, guys, I'm going to go into a case that we did here, and it involves some fairly gullible people, but basically one of the girls in the house was communicating with this shadow person who had convinced her that he was, no kidding you, her vampire lover from a previous life mm-hmm. and was asking her to do things like build shrines for him around the house and give him a name which these are all if you're a cult-minded red flags 
Yeah, that's you're granting him power. You're you're, you're giving him because these shadow people are like super lesser spirits, so the, their manifestation takes so much power and so much energy from them that communicating with you directly would be an extreme struggle, let alone have full on conversation. So if he's asking for altars and to give him a name, he's oh, asking for power. Is a big is a big thing in especially uh, ancient folklore. A hundred percent. But yeah, she. This shadow person was in direct communication with her and was giving her direct instructions to do so. Uh, we actually didn't find this out until we were already into this case for two months because we couldn't get this thing to dislodge from the family for anything to save our lives. And we're like, okay, something's going on here. We don't know. So I'm like, let's start another round of interviewing with the family. And on the second round of interviewing with the family, this girl's sister said, well, I know my sister's doing some things that she hasn't told you. So we interviewed her again and really pushed for that information. And eventually this floodgate opened about how she's been in communication with him from the beginning, how she's been building shrines for him out in the woods surrounding the house, how like she's been asked to give a name to give to declare certain objects in the house are his and then move them around the house. And that's the only case I can recall off the top of my head of one talking, but it should have been Red Flag City. <laughs> oh, my God. Any of those things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely not. Yeah, any, anybody who regularly interacts with spirits, like if a spirit started asking for something like that, your first what, like, why? Like she was fully under the belief that this was her vampire lover from a previous life. And I'm like, oh, man, this is just, I don't even know where to start unpacking this problem. She was an otaku. I bet if you opened up her closet, there were like 400 manga in there. Like, isn't that like Twilight? Isn't that the whole Twilight thing? It probably, you see, Marcus yeah. here is the expert on Twilight. He's memorized all the movies. I actually haven't seen any of them, but he yeah. is, he's he's <laughs> Hashtag team Jacob, by the way. You're better off. Hell brother. yes. <laughs> Jacob is the man. <laughs> but okay. if, you, if you listen to that story, so much of that is, again, when we go back to like it acting like a domestic abuser, where it's asking you to do things for it, it's making you feel like it's important to you, it's the most important thing in the world, it's oh. going to protect you. Oh yeah, and it was definitely using those sort of things, both in the protection and also, if you don't do this for me, you're hurting me. How can you hurt your lover? Basically using that sort of emotional leverage as a ransom. Oof. That's pretty insane. I would Jeez. love to meet this person, like have an actual one-on-one with them. Jeremy, get them on the horn, get them on the podcast, bro, what are you doing? That's your job. I can't imagine oh, you that do being that. a good place right now. No, to kind of coming into the investigation required us to agree not to share their information to anyone. I'm about to join but... these guys' society, bro. Like, I'm about to, <laughs> trade, I'm about to trade you in. Like, uh, whatever, well, man. We know some weird people. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We ended up having to walk <laughs> away from the case because we could. There's nothing we could do with her continuing this sort of behavior to fix their problems oh yeah you can put up warnings and protections and everything all you want but if she won't discontinue appeasing this this entity it doesn't matter what you do like i know like adam mathers who i was working with uh did the goofer dust thing she actually went out with one of those swiffers or not swiffers what what are the little vacuums that dirt devil yeah dirt devil and (laughs) went around and swiffered up like the the goofer dust and stuff and he i remember him being mad because he's like that I, 
I had to pay a lot for that. At a certain point, you just had to be asking yourself, why are we here? (laughs) Basically, what we had to do is say, hey, if you're not willing to help yourself, there's nothing we can do for you to aid you. And it's one of the few cases where we just had to walk away from a continuous investigation. We were on that case for maybe like six months. Again, it's it's the same story. Like anybody that's in a that's that's a friend of somebody that's in an abusive relationship. It's just that circle that no matter what you say to them, it just they just get sucked back in. No, they love me. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Ah, you've accepted my friend request. Excellent news. I did. Hey. You said you've worked in the healthcare field, right? And I know I have presented a lot of valid evidence, but like I want to kind of do like a counterpoint to just the skeptic in me, like because there is such thing as like uh, walking sleep, like a syndrome where you are in like a a state of loosened mindset, right? And you are still actually doing stuff, but you have like daydreaming, right? And like those uh, electrodes in your brain are kind of like going off and you can, maybe you see like uh, uh, something like uh, someone's face distort or something else along that lines. And again, as you were saying, like drugs could uh, fall into, which lessens you, breaks you down, like messes with your brain and other stuff like that. I don't know how old like uh, viewers are, but like, when I grew up, they had the "this is your brain on drugs" thing with like a scrambled egg. Oh yeah, yeah. My mom, did, my mom did the same thing with that, and I said, "That's not what they'll do." And she's like, "No, if you do drugs, I'm gonna beat your head till your brains left like this." <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Plus parenting. Yeah. So the do you feel like because it it, it targets things like this, uh, and I I think I asked this earlier, but like you you were saying like. It is pretty much like a little column A, column B uh, for that. Or like, can someone like as a skeptic coming on the outside can be like, look, you can't really explain it. It's it can be like all these other things like it's it's just a matter of belief, I guess. Or You have to look for trends. Like one thing to take the conversation a step further. What, after blotches, one of the easiest things for the brain to hallucinate are shadow forms. So you have to look at the level of lucidity in the reporter. Um, If someone is at the stage where they're hallucinating shadow people, this should be affecting other things within their life. So you do what you can to examine for signs of uh, things along those lines. But it is something that's commonly commonly reported in hallucinations, although it does also manifest in areas where that explanation does not make sense so like i said earlier the devil is always in the details and you have to really look for them and what i'll say on that is i had a i had a patient that was a woman that was that was high on k2 on synthetic marijuana and she was in her room and she was talking to her two kids who are obviously not there and she did this for two days like straight until finally she got better that whole time the fact that she was hallucinating that she was seeing her two kids did not take away from the fact that her two kids are actually real and are actually out there in the world. On K2, she needed two days? Well, actually, well, I always tell people, I'm into disclaimer now, anybody that's listening, if you think that doing synthetic drugs is a good idea, don't, because psychiatrists will flat out shrug their shoulders behind closed doors about what to do for you. Oh, also, like, beyond that, just to throw stuff on there, I've seen K2 people, we had a, a individual once, and uh, like I said, I have to keep, we have to keep very 
close lifting water details due to HIPAA. But we had an individual once who, after K2, spent just shy of a month laying on the floor screaming and pissing and shitting himself because K2 sometimes takes a long time to process out of a system. It's one of those things that the body has a very hard time metabolizing. And this person was stuck in that state for just shy of a month. And he's not kidding. The doctors will sometimes just have to shrug their shoulders because they're like, we don't know what to do to get this person to push this out of their system. And sometimes they'll just send you home and just say, this is how they are now. Oh, like, yeah. I'm just telling you, right. That's my big disclaimer. Uh, disclaimer any sort that's of that's wild. I mean, I, I, can't, I, can't stress, I can't stress that enough, man. But going back to my, my point, though, about the woman with her two kids. Yeah, she was hallucinating for two for two days that her kids were there. So obviously, yes, she was hallucinating and, and her kids went out of their rooms. But that didn't take from the fact that her kids are real and are out there in the world. But yeah, there may be instances where people may have an acute mental illness or you know, and, and that they may not be seeing something or maybe they're, you know, you know, they're seeing something while they're in the sleep paralysis state. Maybe they're hallucinating then. But that doesn't take away the large multiple stories of people that are in their clear right state of mind that report seeing these things. Because hmm. I'm telling you now, like, if people think that honestly just seeing shadow people is a sign of psychosis, there's a lot more psychotic people out there than people realize. Yeah, Jeremy, if you start seeing shadow people, since you've had this conversation, which, you know, you start talking about a big thing when it comes to spirits is, is just talking about them and, and knowing about them. Um, there's really no reason for you to be like afraid because you didn't seem like too happy about that prospect. Yeah, no, uh, I. OK, so beating a dead horse here when I say I'm very interested in all things unknown, right? And yes, I am interested in shadow people. It is an interesting topic. So if that makes me susceptible to being approached by one, uh, that is a little scary. Um, I like cryptids. I like urban legends, you know, uh, in the physical form um, because they're physical. And I can, you know, I, I had a run in with a, a Bigfoot when I was younger and that set me down this whole pathway of being just absolutely obsessed with cryptids but the the whole paranormal side this is this is outside of my wheelhouse this is outside of my comfort zone i may be making more of a scene than i than i actually really feel about shadow people but i i i 100 not comfortable fully with the idea of being approached by a shadow person that that does not sound fun to me well, look at Marcus. It's Shadow People are probably one of the cases that we have explored the most on our channel over the last five years. And Marcus, I think you've seen Shadow People, what, twice? Twice. So even with him who had never seen it before and then exploring it to the level that we have, his level of encounters have not been a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And the more that I researched him and the more that I found out that your state of mind is, seems to be play a huge part on how often you see them and how that experience tends to go, I think is also played a major part. You guys are awesome. Just want to put that out there. Thank you. Thank, so you, man. thank you. So are you guys. This has been a blast. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. I, I really hope that we can do this again. I, I have a, a lot of questions about things, and I know for a fact that CJ had a lot more fun than, than he put out, because since CJ's 
uh, been an addition onto the show. I haven't heard him come out like this, except for the the human consciousness episode, which was very metaphysical. So I'm going to go ahead and close it out here. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to put out your, your plugs. You guys can just literally plug whatever you want. Facebook, email, Instagram, uh, YouTube, anything. Just Just go for it, man. I'm going to lead off on the plugging, and first I'm going to say this is not an endorsement. I just got done with my bottle of French Lick wine, and they're not paying me to say this, but that's a damn good wine. Oh. <laughs> I'm five shots in on Cap Morgan's, and it's damn good rum. <laughs> I have finished a can of Bang, and I took one sip out of this Coca-Cola coffee, and I am very upset. It sounds bad. It's horrible. <laughs> Jeremy's looking at like worst three bucks ever. Damn it! That puts you in a negative mind space, man. That makes you more susceptible to shadow people. Drink it out ah, all don't you say like. that to him. God damn it! Yeah, if uh, people like to what they heard, our podcast is talking with shadows. We're available on all major platforms: iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Surprisingly, I'm not kicked us off that. Um, if people can, they can also check us out under our brand under. Uh, on YouTube, One Candle Society, we have well over 150 videos that are up that we range. We talk about everything in the paranormal from podcast uh, to from aliens to cryptids, weird entities, conspiracies, anything. There's we got something for everybody on there. Uh, we're on all social media uh, social media platforms. People can follow us on uh, Instagram, One Candle Society, Twitter, Facebook. You guys are true professionals. We don't look like it in real life. I'm telling you now. Yeah, Marcus looks like he's about to go fail an interview at a Taco Bell. That's true. Damn, y'all got 20,000 fucking subscribers? Holy crap. What? Is he guessed at 20,500 subscribers? You got 20,501 now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that has been an episode about shadow people with talking with shadows. I hope everyone enjoyed it once again. Guys, thank you very much for coming on. It was an absolute blast. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Thanks for bringing us on. Yeah, and thank you to Andrew and CJ. Andrew, just wanted to say thank you for for coming on to this this podcast as a permanent co-host. I really look forward to working with you in the future, man. Hell yeah. Sounds good. All right, that's been another episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. We'll see you down the next uh, path in the Infinite Rabbit Hole thing. Till next time, guys. Keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. Boom. Done. Ended. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so at infiniterabbithole at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash infinite rh. Follow us on Instagram at infinite underscore rabbit underscore hole. We're always looking for someone that has a story to share. So if you feel like you've experienced a strange encounter with something that you can't explain, Reach out to us. Let us know. Come on. Have a good time. Tell your story. And if for some reason you don't want to show up on a podcast, send us a letter in our email in a format that we can read to the fans. And we'll be more than happy to read it to everybody. Well, that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time down the infinite rabbit hole.